Welcome to Real Christianity with Mosley Collins, a weekly call to a deeper walk with God. Here's Mosley. Welcome to today's program. Our subject today is how to lead others to Christ, how to help someone pray the sinner's prayer, how to help someone receive Jesus as their Savior. Now, in the Christian life, there is nothing more rewarding or exciting than this. It has been my privilege and honor to walk with Jesus as my Savior for the last 32 years. And during that time, God has taught me a simple way to bring people to salvation. I've done it many, many times with God's help. And today, I'm going to share with you in the next half hour how to lead people to salvation. Now, let me ask you a question. How would you like to create joy in heaven? How would you like to put a big smile of joy on the faces of the angel of God? How would you like to cause the angels to rejoice? Today, I'm going to tell you how. In Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 7, we read the parable of the lost sheep. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So Jesus spoke a parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost." I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. So here in the Bible tells us how we can create joy in heaven by helping Jesus find and bring back his lost sheep. In other words, we can create joy in heaven by leading a person to salvation, by helping a person receive Jesus as their savior. In this parable, Jesus is the man looking for the lost sheep. The lost sheep is someone who does not know Jesus as Savior. He was supposed to be part of God's flock, but he's wandered off. He's gone his own way. He's left Jesus. He's turned his back on God. Now he's in danger from wolves and predators. He's unsaved. And Jesus wants to find this lost sheep and bring him back and make him a part of his flock. This lost person will be safe once he is following Jesus and under Jesus' careful eye. In the parable, when Jesus finds his lost sheep, he rejoices. Rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep. Now here's the wonderful news for you and me. Jesus wants us to be a part of this. He wants you and me to go with him to find and bring back lost sheep and to create joy in heaven. Now, Jesus really wanted to emphasize this truth, that when the lost are found, when a person is saved, there is joy in heaven. So he told a second similar parable for emphasis, and it's the parable of the lost coin, which is found in Luke 15, verses 8 through 10. What woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, 
for I have found that which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now in this parable, the woman represents Jesus and the lost coin is a lost unsaved person who is not with God. Once the lost coin, the lost person is recovered, there is joy in heaven. Rejoice with me, Jesus says. So again, Jesus tells us how to create joy in heaven and how to rejoice with him. Please also note in this parable, Jesus lights the lamp. He sweeps the house. He searches carefully. He goes to a lot of effort and to great lengths to find the lost coin. Now, what do you think this is telling us? It's telling us that finding the lost person and leading them to salvation is very, very, very important to God. And if this is very, very important to God, do you think it should be important to us? Why, yes, it should be. Now, you might be saying, okay, I see that it will bring joy in heaven and that it is very important to God, but I don't know how to lead someone to salvation, and I am afraid. Let's look at those two problems one at a time. All true Christians are born again. Jesus said in John 3, 3, most assuredly I say to you, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So what Jesus is asking us to do then is to help people go through the born again experience. And how do we do that? By praying with them the sinner's prayer. Now some of you may be wondering, well, what is the sinner's prayer? It's just a simple prayer by which a person acknowledges Jesus as Lord, asks forgiveness for their sins, and receives Jesus as their Savior. Now, the words of this prayer can vary. All the prayer needs to do is to cover what the Bible says we should do to become saved. And here's the simple 19-word prayer that I use. I ask people to pray out loud and repeat after me, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and be my savior. Now let's go over this prayer and see if it meets the Bible's requirements for salvation. The first line is simply, Lord Jesus. Here the person praying with me is confessing, number one, that Jesus is alive, and number two, that he is Lord. Now we don't pray to dead things. The fact that we are praying to Jesus in the present tense means he is alive, risen from the dead and we are calling him Lord. Now the Bible says in Romans 10:9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And in Romans 10:13, the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now if we wanted to, we could stop here, confident that salvation has come to our prayer companion. The Bible says in Luke 23, verses 32 through 43, that when Jesus was crucified, there were two thieves crucified with him, one on his right hand and one on his left. And as he was dying, one of the thieves simply said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. 
Now please know that the thief had not been baptized, although it is good to be baptized. The thief had not gone to a church service, although it is good to go to a church service. The thief had not taken Holy Communion, although it is good to take Holy Communion. He had only done one thing. He called out to Jesus, acknowledging him as Lord. And that is all it takes for salvation. So we could stop here, but we won't. I then have the person repeat after me, I am a sinner. Here we are simply acknowledging our condition for which Christ died. The Bible says in Romans 3:23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Next, I have the person repeat after me, forgive me of my sins. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. By this stage in the prayer, we are saved and forgiven. But I go on and have the person repeat after me, come into my heart and be my savior. Jesus said in Revelations 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. Dining, sharing a meal is an intimate act. It is a face-to-face, person-to-person. Here Jesus is calling us to a personal, intimate, person-to-person relationship with him. So this is why we pray, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and be my Savior. We are praying for a personal experience, a personal walk with Jesus as our Savior. We are not praying for a faraway God we only hear about on Sunday and then lose track of the rest of the week. We are praying for a personal Savior who leads us daily and who communes with us daily. Now that's the sinner's prayer. If you wanted to write it down, but you weren't able to, don't worry. You can call my office in Sacramento at 444-4444 for a free copy. Now here we're gonna take a short break. And when we come back, we will discuss the number one reason why we don't lead others to Christ. And it's because we are afraid. We hope that you're being blessed and encouraged by today's message from Mosley Collins. He's available to speak at your church, Christian group, or Bible study. There's never a charge for his ministry. If you have questions about today's subject or you wish to invite Mosley to come speak to your group, you can reach him at 916-444-4444. You can also request a copy of today's message. Just dial all fours for help or more information. Now let's get back to today's message. Before the break, I gave you the sinner's prayer, which you can use to pray with others to lead them to Christ. Now let me repeat it for you. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Be my Savior. Now you might be thinking, even if I knew how to do this, I'd be afraid to try it. Well, let me tell you this sincerely. It is not hard to do, and you do not need to be afraid. Now, I want to be very practical with you and show you how I've done this with the help of the Holy Spirit many, many times so that you can do it. Now, first I should tell you, I am not a pastor and I am not in full-time ministry. I have a regular job, Monday through Friday, for the past 25 years. I mention this to you so you will not think that you have to be a pastor or in the ministry to do this because you don't. 
So let's be very practical about this. And let me tell you how it works for me. Now I might be talking to someone and I will just feel a small tug from the Holy Spirit to pray the sinner's prayer with this person. It's just a little feeling to go ahead and do it. I might be in the gym talking to someone or I might be in a restaurant or I might be at coffee and we'll be talking and I will just feel a little tug on my heart to go ahead. It's usually in a public place, so don't let that stop you. Now, sometimes the person will be talking about spiritual things, such as, I used to go to church, but now I don't. Or they may be talking about needing some direction in their life or some loss. So I will ask them, do you know why we celebrate Easter? And they will think about it, and they will answer no, or it has something to do with Jesus Christ or whatever. Now, the answer is really not that important. Then I will say, we celebrate Easter because Jesus rose from the dead. And they will say, oh, yeah. And then I will say, since he rose from the dead, he is alive now and you can know him. Now, here is a very important step, so please listen carefully. At this point, you must ask them, would you like to pray right now to receive Jesus as your Savior? Now, why is this step so important? If you do not ask this question, you will never get a yes answer to go ahead and pray with them. Let me give you an example. Imagine you went to a car dealership to look at new cars, and you met a salesman there. Now, imagine the salesman just kept saying to you, here's a nice car. I have the same model. It's very reliable. It's a great car. It has never let me down. Boy, I'm sure glad I have this car. It's a great car. It's changed my life. Yep, it's a great car. Wow, it's a great car and faithful too. Now, if the salesman did not say, would you like to buy this car today? You might walk away without ever buying it. And here's the mistake we make as Christians. We tell others that Jesus is great, that Jesus is faithful, that Jesus changed our life, but we never ask them, would you like to pray right now to receive Jesus as your Savior? Because we don't ask, no one gets saved. To paraphrase the Bible, how will they know unless you tell them? And how will they pray unless you ask them? So you must ask, would you like to pray with me right now to receive Jesus into your heart? At least nine times out of ten, when I have asked that question, the person has said, yes. Now you might be thinking, I can't ask that question because they might say no. If your son or daughter asks you to shoot basketball with them, would you say, I can't because I might not make a basket every time I shoot? Of course not. That would be ridiculous. Michael Jordan, one of the greatest players in the history of the NBA, didn't make a basket every time he shot. If you were invited to play baseball, would you say, I can't play because I might not get a hit every time I get up at bat. Of course not. That would be ridiculous. The best players in professional baseball don't get a hit every time they bat. Now, every time you ask someone to pray the sinner's prayer with you, they will not always say yes. It is my experience that most of the time they will say yes, but not always. And that's okay. Jesus was continually talking to people about salvation but not everyone accepted his invitation to be saved. In John 1, 11, the Bible says, 
Jesus came to his own and his own did not receive him. But the Bible goes on to say, but, at, but to as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the children of God. If you go out to shoot basketball tomorrow, you can't expect to do better than Michael Jordan. And if you go out tomorrow and ask someone to pray with you, you can't expect to do better than Jesus. Let me put it this way to you. Before he came to earth to suffer and die, Jesus knew some people would say no. Aren't you glad he came anyway and did what he was called to do? We should do likewise. Now, what we're really talking about here is being fruitful. Now, listen to this positive, encouraging words of Jesus in John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go out and bear fruit. In John 15, 5, Jesus said, He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Let me tell you, it is your destiny as a child of God to bear fruit. It is your destiny to be able to win people for Christ. When you pray the sinner's prayer with someone, you're placing a powerful seed in their heart where it can sprout and grow into a great tree of faith. Now you may be wondering, how does it sprout and grow? One of the most remarkable parables in the Bible is the parable of the growing seed found in Mark 4, 26 through 28. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. In this parable, Jesus is saying to us that how this seed, which we sow into a person's heart, sprouts and grows is a mystery. We don't know how, and that's okay. We don't know how, but it is known to God. So don't worry. Our job is just to go scatter the seed, the Word of God, into the hearts of those who will receive it. And do not doubt for a minute the power of what you are doing. You are taking powerful and mighty concepts directly from the Word of God and placing them in the hearts of those who pray with you. The Lordship of Christ, the request for the forgiveness of sin, and the receiving of Jesus as Savior. The Word of God is powerful. It will accomplish what God intends. Remember what the Bible says in Isaiah 55:11. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I send it. In the 19th chapter of Revelations, we read about the marriage supper of the Lamb. On that great and glorious day, we who are saved, who have trusted in Jesus, are called by God to a great banquet in heaven. We were washed clean and arrayed in pure white linen. We feast with Christ and are united with him. The Bible says, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now imagine your joy on that day when you see people seated at the great banquet table, washed and arrayed in white and destined for eternity in heaven with God because you took the time to pray the sinner's prayer with them. Let me tell you a little story that is not found in the Bible but illustrates my point. One day the angels of God were talking with Jesus in heaven and they were discussing salvation. What is your plan to bring salvation to the people of earth? 
the angels asked Jesus. Jesus said, my plan is to have my followers go and tell others and lead them to salvation. The angels withdrew from Jesus and began talking among themselves. The Christians on earth are untrustworthy, the angel said. They're burdened with earthly cares, such as careers, houses, retirement plans, parties, sports, and all the other distractions that the earth holds. When they think of leading others to salvation, they are frightened or complacent. So the angels went back to Jesus. Lord, they said, the Christians on earth are distracted, fearful, and burdened with earthly cares. They don't seem to be following your plan that you described to us. So tell us, what other plan do you have to bring salvation to the lost? Jesus looked at them earnestly and said, I have no other plan. I hope God has touched you this morning. I hope God has touched you during this message, and I hope you want to be a part of Jesus' plan to lead others to salvation. I hope you want to be used in his work to save the lost. I hope you want to pray the sinner's prayer with others. If so, join me now in prayer. Father, I pray you give us the wisdom, the heart, and the desire to lead others to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me close by telling you uh, the last time that uh, I prayed with someone to receive Christ. It was just just a week ago. And uh, my family and I were at a hotel in Mexico. And I was in the lobby. And I was walking by. And uh, there was a girl working there. She looked about 23 or 4 years old. And uh, I said hello, and she said hello to me, and just the Holy Spirit just tugged at my heart saying, this girl will pray the sinner's prayer with you. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, she probably doesn't even speak very good English. How are we gonna communicate? How could this possibly be? But the Holy Spirit said, no, go ahead and try. So I walked over, she was working at the concierge desk, and I walked over and I said hello, and uh, she said, oh, I saw your two daughters here earlier. They, they seem so nice, I said, yeah. They, I said, yeah, they're wonderful daughters, and uh, they've just been down uh, in Oaxaca volunteering at a Christian mission, which kind of gave me an end to talk about Christian things. And I said, what, is, uh, what do you have? Uh, have you had a relationship with Jesus? She said, no, not really. I said, would you pray the sinner's prayer with me? She said, yes. So here's this girl in a foreign land who doesn't even speak very good English, and I was able to communicate with her. And so we prayed the sinner's prayer together, and she was thrilled to pray the sinner's prayer with me. We prayed, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me my sins. Come into my heart and be my Savior. And when we opened her eyes, she was just really happy. And that was such a blessing uh, to share that with her. And, uh, you know, it's been my privilege to do that with many people. And I just hope that you might take what we've said today and do it yourself and be there at that banquet in heaven where you look and see there's people there because you prayed with them. Thank you for joining us for Real Christianity. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by today's message from Mosley Collins. Mosley lives with his family in the Sacramento area. He's available to teach at your church, Christian group, or Bible study. There is never a charge for his ministry. 
If you have questions about today's subject or you wish to invite Mosley to come speak to your group, you can reach him at 916-444-4444. 